there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Do make yourself feel very much at home uh, here at Springs. It's just great to be with you. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I want to uh, share with you uh, just one or two thoughts about uh, a theme uh, that is called wrestling with God. Um, just a few weeks ago, I think it was two or three weeks ago, uh, Ben was preaching. And uh, Ben preached about a dream uh, that Jacob had. And we'll just look in a moment at who Jacob actually was. And uh, as I was sitting there, I, it just came to me because I knew I was preaching today. And I really felt a little nudge that, that um, God was saying to me, I want you to follow on from what Ben said, and I want you to talk about wrestling with me. I want you to talk about wrestling with God. So today, I'm going to be talking about a, a really famous encounter that this person, Jacob, had with God, which is probably one of the most famous wrestling matches uh, in history, certainly in, in the Bible. Um, but what I want to do to start with uh, is I've become very conscious uh, here at Springs Church that we, we don't speak as often as we perhaps could about some of the old Bible stories. So if you forgive me, and, and if you've been around church a long time, I'm almost going to give you permission to switch off for the next five minutes or so. Um, or, or almost, I said. Um, because what I want to do is to give you a kind of very whistle-stop potted history of where we, how we get to this point in the story, not only of Jacob's life, but where this sits in relation to the Bible. So I hope that you, you kind of are, you're in the mood for a, a very quick story, but I want to put it in the context, and, and I think it would be good for us because very often we, we drop into a verse, Genesis 32 we're looking at, and before we know it, we're not really that sure where it fits in the narrative of what God's been doing. So just for the next five minutes, I want to give you a real potted history of how we got to this point in the story of God interacting with his people. So for the next few minutes, you're just going to see that one slide which just says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So going back to the very, very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible starts with the story of God creating the heavens and the earth. And then for the next few chapters, we get some really well-known uh, Bible stories. We hear the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We hear the story about Cain and Abel, uh, the brothers that Adam and Eve had. Uh, we then move on and we, we read the story of Noah and the ark. And then we get to the story of the Tower of Babel, which I'm sure most of you, you have heard of, where mankind decided to try and build a tower to reach up to God. And that's all packed in the first 11 verses of Genesis. So the first 11 verses of the Bible cover all of that narrative. Hundreds of years pass. But then we get to around about the end of chapter 11 in Genesis. And we're introduced to a guy who is at that time called Abram. Abram, without the A-H-A-M at the end, Abram. 
uh, he became Abraham. And God spoke to Abraham. He called him from the place that he was living in. And he promised Abraham that he would be the father of nations. And uh, God made loads and loads of promises. He made what, what we call a covenant with Abraham uh, about what would happen. Abraham didn't really live to see a lot of God's promises fulfilled. He saw some of them, but not all of them. But one of the things that God promised Abraham was that he would have a son. And Abraham hadn't got a son. And he got to about the age of 100. And his wife was 90 years old, I think, at the time. And nothing had happened about a son arriving. So Abraham took matters into his own hands. And uh, he slept with his uh, wife, Sarah's servant, Hagar. She had a son who was called Ishmael. And then after that, Sarah fell pregnant. And Sarah and Abraham had a son called Isaac. Probably the most famous story about Abraham and Isaac is the story of, I think, 10 or 12 years after Isaac was born, that God called Abraham and challenged him and actually said, look, I fulfilled the promises I, I gave, or some of the promises I gave you. Are you actually prepared to trust me that much that you would actually sacrifice your son Isaac? And, and you know the story of Abraham actually being prepared to do that, taking Isaac, building a, a, an altar where he was going to sacrifice his son, and God intervened. And uh, God was so pleased with the faith that Abraham demonstrated that day. So Isaac grows up, and Isaac marries a lady called Rebecca. Okay, you still with me? We're following the story. It's whistle-stop tour, as I say. Isaac married Rebecca, and uh, Rebecca fell pregnant, and she had a very difficult pregnancy. And, and while she was pregnant, she, she asked God what was going on. And God spoke to Rebecca and said to her, two nations are in your womb. You're having twins, and the older twin will serve the younger twin. And Rebecca subsequently gave birth first to Esau and then to Jacob. So we're getting close to the point in the story, fairly close to the point in the story where we're going to get into the Bible. So Esau was a real man's man. He was ruddy in color. He was very hairy. Uh, we know that. And he was a hunter. Uh, he, he was an outdoor type. You know, he loved, the, he loved being outdoors. He loved hunting. He loved all of those kind of manly pursuits. And Esau was undoubtedly his dad Isaac's favorite. Jacob was the exact opposite. Jacob was a kind of indoor, bookish type of man. He was a, a thinker, a reader. He, he was smooth-skinned. He wasn't, he wasn't a man's man at all. He, he was a, a bookish type of person. But we also know that Jacob was a very sneaky, cunning type of character. Why God chose somebody like Jacob, I don't know, but I'm so glad that he did. Uh, because God's promises were, were made to Jacob. Uh, one day, Esau was out hunting, as he, as he used to like doing, and uh, Jacob knew that he would be coming back famished, so Jacob cooks a, a meal, and uh, Esau walks in, he's absolutely ravenous, and he says to his brother, give me some of the, the stew that you've made. And Jacob says to him, well, I'll give you some of this, providing you give me your birthright. And Esau 
lets his, his belly rule his head. He doesn't really consider what he's being asked. And he says, oh, I'm so famished. Just give me the stew. Yes, of course, I'll give you that. Not realizing how important it was. He has the stew and realizes later that he's lost his birthright. Isaac then gets towards the end of his life. And uh, the Bible tells us that he's beginning to lose his sight. doesn't see very well. And uh, Jacob, assisted by his equally cunning mom, Rebecca, decides to trick Esau out of his brother's inheritance. So the story goes that uh, Isaac is hungry. He sends Esau out to hunt and get some, uh, some venison for him. But what happens is that Rebecca and Jacob cook a really tasty meal. Um, Rebecca actually covers uh, Jacob in uh, goat skins, so it may maybe have the appearance that he got hairy arms. And he goes into his father's tent with the food, uh, and his father uh, can't see him very well, but he, he smells him, he feels his body, and he, and he actually says, you know, your voice isn't like Esau's, but you obviously are Esau. And Isaac gives Jacob the blessing that was due to Esau. Now, in our culture, that doesn't seem overly important. I suppose it would almost be like, you know, if Prince Charles could, could say to, to Harry, um, I'm going to make you king after me rather than William. You know, it was that type of significance. Although, of course, Harry's the kind of red-haired, hairy one in, in, the, in that context, isn't he? Not Esau. But, so it's a little bit hard for us to understand in our culture, but this was hugely significant. Things like birthrights, things like blessings were absolutely profound. And Esau realized that his mom and his brother had tricked him. He's absolutely outraged. He loses his temper, and he sets out to kill Jacob. So Rebecca, the mom, arranges for Jacob to go to her brother, his uncle Laban. And um, Jacob absconds from the area, goes to live with Laban because of the way that he's treated his brother. And he knows his brother's out to get him. And it was about that time that Jacob had the dream that Ben spoke about a couple of weeks ago, when God spoke to him and God promised in the dream that he would uh, give Jacob the land that he was asleep in. He promised him that his offspring would be as, as, as like the dust of the earth. In other words, he'd have millions and millions of offspring. He promised him that he'd be blessed, and he promised him that he would never leave him. Now, why God chose Jacob, I don't know, but he did. Now, the story goes on. Laban had a really beautiful daughter. Her name was Rachel. And Jacob fell head over heels in love with Rachel. And he went to his uncle and he said, look, if you let me uh, marry uh, Rachel, I will work for you for seven years. So his uncle says, yes, that's great. So Jacob set out to work for seven years. And the Bible tells us it seemed like an, a moment. Jacob was that much in love with Rachel uh, that the seven years flew by and it gets to the wedding. And then the deceiver becomes deceived. Now, quite how they did this, there must have been some alcohol involved, I'm sure. But basically what happened was that on the wedding night, Uncle Laban switched Rachel for his eldest daughter, Leah, who um, was nowhere near as attractive. And uh, Jacob ends up consummating the marriage with Leah rather than Rachel. He realizes the next day he's in a rage. And to cut a long story short... He has to work another seven years for Rachel's hand. So he's basically had to, he's been conned into working 14 years to, for the two sisters. Okay, we all with it so far? Yeah, good. Okay. 
So um, Jacob, during these 14 years, decides that he be better begin to get on with fulfilling God's promises. So he starts having sons. And it almost seems that like once he starts having sons, he can't stop. So I've actually got the names of most of them written down here for you. So from Leah, the eldest sister, he has six sons who were Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Uh, from Leah's servant, Billa, because Leah gave her servant to Jacob, he has two more sons called Dan and Naphtali. Then Rachel gets in on the act, and, and she actually thinks, oh, I'm not having any kids, so I'll give, I'll give my servant as well to, to Jacob. So, you know, these were different times, weren't they? So she gives her servant, Zilpah, to, uh, to Jacob. And he has two more sons, Gad and Asher. And then... Finally, that's, the, that's ten sons he's had. He's had lots of daughters as well, by the way, but, but ten sons. Uh, finally, Rachel falls pregnant herself. And she has a son called Joseph. And Joseph was the person that would go on to have the multicolored dream coat. Yeah, so you're kind of all with us on the story. Okay, Rachel has uh, Joseph. And, and there's one more son that's going to arrive a little bit later in the story, but later on, Rachel has a second son called Benjamin. Uh, she dies in childbirth, sadly. Uh, and from those 12 sons that Jacob had, they all become the 12 tribes of Israel. So that was how the nation was formed. The first three uh, sons that were born all did really abominable things. I haven't got time to go into it, but read Genesis and it'll tell you all about the terrible things that they did. So all three of, of Jacob's first eldest sons did really bad things and they effectively kind of lost their birthright. So if Judah, who was the fourth boy to be born, effectively assumed some of the first right, the firstborn's rights. And actually it was the tribe of Judah that many years later Jesus was born into. Okay, so that's where we are with the story. Now, Jacob doesn't only spend his time producing sons. He actually, over the 14 to 20-year period, becomes a really wealthy man. He does it by deceiving his uncle Laban. He's still working for him. And by the time we pick up the story now, Jacob has accumulated literally hundreds of sheep, Goats, camels, cows, bulls, servants. He's a very, very wealthy man. And God starts to talk to Jacob, saying to him, it's time now for you to go back to Canaan, to go back to the land that you came from. It's time for you to go back and face your brother. So this is where we pick up the story, and we're now going to read Genesis chapter 32, which tells us how the story continues. And this is the story about Jacob wrestling with God. Okay, so Jacob, um, Genesis chapter 32, uh, and the words should hopefully be on the screen behind me. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Mehanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my Lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I've been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, male and female servants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord, 
that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you. He's got 400 men with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided his people into two groups, the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. So he divided them into two. And he thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, hopefully the other group may escape. And then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown to me. I only had my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper, and I will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself, and said to his servants, Go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, When my brother Esau meets you and asks, Who do you belong to and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you? You are to say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Esau and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second, the third and all the others who followed the herds. You are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts. I'm sending on ahead later when I see him. Perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, and he spent the night in the camp. That night, Jacob got up. He took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not touch the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. So that's the Bible reading, the, the story of Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob was on his way home to Canaan. He'd got his tribe, his wife, his kids. He'd been away for 20 years. He's scared to death because he's going to meet his estranged brother Esau. 
Esau's got 400 men with him. That's not a welcome party. It's an army. He's really, really frightened. He splits his household into two camps to try and avoid complete annihilation. He probably is suffering from insomnia, decides that he's going to spend the night alone, probably thinking, all I can do now, I've got to face Esau, I've just got to pray about this. But instead of praying, a strange man shows up and wrestles Jacob all night long till daybreak. He's not even able to pray. At some point during the contest, Jacob realizes he's actually wrestling with God. Some commentators actually believe that Jacob was wrestling with Jesus himself, but the Bible doesn't say that clearly, but he's wrestling with God. And when God decides it's time to end the match, he dislocates Jacob's hip, he demands to be released, and Jacob in pain says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. This pleases God. So he pronounces a blessing on Jacob. He says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, which means deceiver, but you're now going to be known as Israel, which means strives with God. For you've striven with God and with men, and you've prevailed. So as the story ends, Jacob, kind of, we can imagine him in our mind's eye, limping towards Esau. He's got a bad hip. He's got a weakened body. But because of the wrestling that he did with God, he's got a strengthened faith. He's wrestled with God, and he knows that his prayers about meeting Esau are going to be answered. So that's the story. And I just want to pull out five points that I think will help us. These are five points that came to me as, we were, as I was thinking about this, what it, about what it means to wrestle with God. And these are really the things that I hope that you can kind of concentrate on, and I hope this has helped you. So if you can click the first one, Daz. Uh, if you can read that, it says, struggling with God in faith leads to peace. I think that's the first thing we can learn from this story about Jacob wrestling with God. Note what God did when he wrestled with Jacob. Jacob began the night dreading Esau's arrival. We can't imagine, but he was thinking tomorrow my brother is going to come with his army of 400 people. He was full of fear. He was desperate that night. He had a night of struggle, but he ended that night with God's blessing and with a renewed and strengthened faith. If we struggle, if we wrestle with God in faith, and it's important that we do it in faith, but if we wrestle with God in faith, it will ultimately lead to a place of peace. So we're going to look in just a a, a moment about the type of wrestling we may do with God. But if you're wrestling with God, I believe it will lead you to a place of peace. Okay, the next one, please, Daz. Second point I thought about was this. Sometimes God wants us to wrestle. Sometimes it's God's plan for us to wrestle with him. God had previously spoken to Jacob in dreams and in visions. Many times he'd spoken to Jacob. Uh, And why didn't he this time just kind of meet him in a cozy atmosphere, reiterate his promise, speak some nice comfortable words to him? This time, God addressed Jacob's fear by requiring him to wrestle 
or night. It probably felt to Jacob like the worst thing in the world. You know, I've got to face Esau. The last thing I've got to do before I face Esau is wrestle all night. Jacob wanted comfort and assurance. He ended up in a wrestling match. Sometimes when we need God's comfort, when we need God's assurance, he may send it in a very unexpected way. He may send it even in an unwanted way. But if God wants us to wrestle with him, it's the way that he will deal with us and actually enable us to grow in our faith and ultimately bless us. Okay, next point. I've put here, if necessary, God may cause us to limp to increase our faith. God afflicted Jacob with a debilitating injury. You know, he, he dislocated his hip. I've been told that's one of the most painful things that can happen to you. Your shoulders and your hips getting out of joint. Incredibly painful. When you think about it, God actually made Jacob even weaker than he was before to face Esau. He was even more vulnerable than he was before he started wrestling, which actually had the effect of making Jacob's faith rest more fully on God. God took away even the physical health he had, so he had to rest more and rely more on God. Possibly God may cause us to limp to increase our faith. Okay. Next one. Wrestling with God can change your identity. Wrestling with God changed Jacob's identity. He was known as a person who'd received all of the blessings he'd got. He'd received by deception. He'd deceived Esau. Uh, he deceived Isaac. He deceived his uncle. Everything he'd got, his wives, his, his possessions, the blessings that he'd had, he got it all by deception. And God, that night, changed Jacob from a person that got everything from by deception to actually what he then received was God's blessing because he had prevailed with God by faith, because he'd struggled with God, because he'd been real with God. God blessed him and changed his name and changed his identity. The struggle that Jacob had with God was actually, although he didn't feel like it at the time, it was a really profoundly gracious gift. It was a gift of restoration. It was a gift of changing him as a person. It was a gift of giving him a new identity. A little bit like, you know, the story when, when Peter has denied Jesus on the night that he was, he was crucified, and, and Jesus kind of lovingly lets Peter make matters right by three times saying to, to Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter affirms his love for Jesus as many times as he denied him. And, and although that was a harsh thing to do, it was the right thing to do, it was a kind thing to do, it was a wonderful gift that Jesus gave Peter. God here was actually giving Jacob a new identity. When God calls us to wrestle with him, there's very often more going on than we realize. When God calls us, calls us to wrestle with him, it's because God wants to change us, he wants to transform us, wants to give us a new identity. 
And it's actually quite confusing when you, you read the Bible because Jacob became Israel. And Israel was, was not only the name of Jacob, but it was also the name of the nation. And, and sometimes we, we kind of get confused when we read Israel or when we read Jacob. Because actually, after this uh, story, Jacob was still also called Jacob. In fact, he was called Jacob far, far more than he was actually ever referred to as Israel. So I read that and think, although God changed him, there was still possibly something of the old Jacob there. When God changes us, our kind of basic DNA is, is still there. Okay, the last point I want to, to share with you this afternoon is this. God wants to bless you. So don't let go of him until he does bless you. God wants to bless you. Don't let go of him until he does bless you. Jacob was tenacious in his struggle with God, and, and that represents the faith that he had. It was a strong faith. It pleased God, and God rewarded him with a blessing. When God makes us wrestle with him, it's not because he's reluctant to bless us, even if that's how it feels. It's because he has more blessings for us in the wrestling than without it. In other words, if we wrestle with God and come through it, God can bless us even more profoundly than if we don't go through that experience. Remember, it was God who pursued Jacob for this wrestling match. Jacob didn't want to wrestle. God initiated it. God came and sought out Jacob and wrestled with him. Jacob was just wanting a night on his own. He was stewing in his own anxiety. He, he was worried about Esau. Um, he was just a frightened man. And all of a sudden, God encounters him. And instead of giving him comforting word, God wrestles with him. And that wrestling drew Jacob out of his fears, out of his preoccupation about what he got to face. It, fo it forced him to focus on God. That's what the wrestling did. There are many blessings in wrestling with God. You may feel that you need some soft words of comfort this afternoon. You may feel that you just want to be left alone with your thoughts. You may feel that you just want some sleep. You just want a good night's rest. You may feel that your body's breaking up and you need healthy hips. You don't need any of those things. What you need in your life is God's blessing. It's God's blessing that we need to seek. So when God calls you to wrestle with him in prayer, it's always an invitation to receive his blessing. If you're struggling with God, God is wanting to bless with you. Stay with him. Don't give up. Don't let go of him until he blesses you. He loves to bless the type of faith that Jacob had. And you will come out absolutely transformed. Now, I want to make it clear that when I'm talking about wrestling with God, I'm not talking about a physical wrestling match. I think you will know that, don't you? But there are many things that we have in our life. Life can often be a struggle. But I'm not talking specifically today about the hardships that you may have in life, some of the issues that you deal with. I'm talking very specifically about the areas in your life where actually you're struggling with God himself. You know, we all have problems, we all have difficulties, and we sometimes can cope with some of those difficulties in our own strength. But I know that some of us sometimes go through times where actually 
It's God himself that we're struggling with. It's God that we're wrestling with. Things have happened in our life, and we just do not understand how it's happened. And there's a tendency to blame God sometimes, or there's a tendency to question God as to why these things have happened. So try and think, not just have I got problems in my life, but think what areas of my life am I really struggling with God? What areas have you got a problem with God about? Because it's okay to have a problem with God. It is okay to, to, to be confused, to be perplexed. It's okay to say, Lord, I really don't understand this. and I'm wrestling with it. It's a struggle for me. Why are you allowing this to go on in my life? And it's in those times, perhaps, when God really wants to reach out and bless you and transform you. It could be that you're wrestling with God about things to do with either your mental or, or your physical health. Your body's not functioning as you want it to. And you, you can't understand why God's allowed this to happen. If you're struggling with God, carry on struggling and grab hold of him. It could be that you, you're struggling with things like identity and sexuality issues. It's, it's a common, common problem at the moment. And it's not an easy issue to deal with. Many people struggle with God as to who they are. And, and that's okay. Keep on wrestling with God. It could be that you've got fears and doubts. Even doubts about, you know, whether God's really there for you at all. It's okay. Keep on struggling with him. Keep on wrestling with him. It could be that God's actually calling you to do something. Perhaps there's a new ministry, uh, a new um, challenge that you know God's put his finger on, and you're really wrestling with him. You know, I don't feel equipped. I don't think I can do this, Lord. I don't really know whether I'm sure that I've heard from you. If you feel that God is calling you to do something and it's, it doesn't fit comfortably, don't just give up on it. Wrestle with God. Struggle with God. See if he's going to be able to bless you and don't let go of him until he does bless you. It could be that you've got baggage from abusive relationships or problems in your childhood. I, I don't know. It could be that you're carrying burdens that, that have been with you a long, long time. And actually you're wrestling with God because you you know that you should be forgiving people and you can't bring yourself to do it and it's a struggle and, and you know that God wants to forgive you more but he can't forgive you unless you forget. And, and these things can be a huge, huge burden. God's saying it's okay and it could be that God is saying, we need a wrestling match. We're going to work this out but we're not going to work it out with some words of comfort. We're not going to work it out with a nice time of worship. We're going to work it out because you're going to mean business with me and I'm going to mean business with you. And we're going to fight this out because I know if you're able to do that, if you're able to do that, you will be blessed. You will be transformed. But sometimes it's a struggle to get there. For Jacob, this place where he struggled with God, where he wrestled with God, was a special place. It was a place of real trial and testing. It wasn't an easy place to be there. Jacob was on trial. He was tested. 
It was a place where Jacob absolutely had to plead with God. He was begging him, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. It was a place where he started out weak and he became even weaker. The day before, he got two perfectly good hips. He limped for the rest of his life after this encounter with God. Sometimes the place of blessing can be a place for us where we do feel as if, we, as if we're being tested. It can be a place where we are literally falling on our knees before God and pleading with him to help us. It can be a place where we feel weak and helpless and hopeless. But then it's also the place, the wrestling place, is the place where you meet God himself. And that's the place he wants you to be at. So we're just going to wrap up now. Um, I'm going to ask Sam if you can come back and uh, we're going to just worship God. Um, but I'd just like to pray with us as we, uh, as we enter into this time of ministry with Sam leading us. So um, would you all just um, adopt an attitude of prayer for a moment? Just be quiet before God and just let this story sink in a little bit. Father, we thank you that you don't always deal with us in the way that we want you to deal with us. But you always deal with us in the way that's best for us. And this afternoon we want to say, Father, that there are times in our lives where life is difficult and tough, where we're fearful. And sometimes in those times you seem further away than ever. But actually, you're there even more closely than ever. It's just that we don't realize it. Father, I, I really do believe that there are people in this room today that are in the middle of a wrestling match with you, that they're struggling. There are issues that they are really finding hard to understand. There may be fear, there may be doubt, there may be anxiety involved in that wrestling. And I thank you, Father, that you do want to give us words of comfort and hope, but more than that, you want to give us your blessing. And it might be that you're saying, just wrestle that a little bit more because daybreak is on its way. Dawn is just around the corner and I have seen what you're going through and I'm going to bless you more than you can ever imagine. The tenacious faith that you've demonstrated, the fact that you feel as if you're holding on to me by your very fingertips and, and your fingernails are actually breaking away and you feel that you're slipping, that's something I love about you. That's something I see in you. I've not abandoned you. I've not abandoned you. I'm there for you. But sometimes, my children, you have to go through times of trial and testing and wrestling because you come out so strong on the other side. You come out changed on the other side. I can transform you. 
So just tarry a little while, wrestle just that little bit more because the blessing is there to be had. Father, I just pray that um, as we sing other people's words, that you'll help us to commune with you now. Help us to reach out to you. Help us to be honest and open with you. Help us to know that you're there to bless. The strength to be had from the wrestling. Thank you for being with us this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.